everyone, and welcome to another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast by your friends at Woodward Financial Advisors. I'm Victor Colella, Certified Financial Planner and Wealth Advisor here at Woodward, and I'm joined again by Alex Rashani. Hi, Alex. Hey, Vic. So Alex is also, other than an esteemed podcast guest, uh, I don't know if he's a guest now at this point, he's been on enough of them, but um, also a Certified Financial Planner and also an advisor here at Woodward. So Alex, we're talking about security today. Really exciting stuff. Uh, not really, probably, but uh, definitely something that I think we all need a good reminder of every once in a while. Um, so I know we have a lot of good stuff to get to. And and, and before we do, I want to just mention that you know this is meant to be an educational podcast. So this is not meant to be advice specific to your situation. So if we bring up securities or tax or any other recommendations of the sort, um, you're going to want to check with your individual advisors before doing anything. So having said that, Alex, I'm going to lay out the structure and then we can just dive in with some best practices. Sound all right? Sounds good. All right. So we we grouped our sort of general advice around security into three buckets. So one has to do with email. So this is you know, one that is so easy to get caught up in, especially around the holidays when every retailer who's ever heard your name is sending you uh, emails or whoever. So email, there's a lot of ways that you can get caught up in there and, and we'll cover a couple of specific uh, topics inside of email. Passwords, this is your first line of defense against almost everything security related. So it makes a big difference how you do your passwords. And then there are just a random, we'll call it security potpourri. Um, is our third section where we're, we'll cover a handful of things that don't fit in those first two categories, but are also, you know, something important. Alex, why don't you take away email? So what, what are we concerned about inside of emails? What we're concerned about with emails mainly is something called phishing. So what is phishing? It's a, it's a PH word, not an F word to start, uh, start here. <laughs> I love fly phishing. Is it similar <laughs> to that, Alex? No, a couple of differences, a couple of differences. So what phishing is, is essentially the, we're going to call them the bad guys, going out and trying to get your information one way or another. Now, this typically comes in the form of emails that look legitimate, but are not legitimate. So these could be from uh, the IRS is a big one. They're not really from the IRS. They appear to be. And what they're trying to do is get you to click a link, open an attachment, reply in some way where you're sharing your personal information with people unintentionally. Well, and I've heard of some, Alex, recently where you click the link, it takes you to another legitimate looking web page and says you need to log in. So it's impersonating another website and then it just, it takes your login information and we'll use that to access your accounts, whatever those accounts might be. So really nefarious. Uh, That's right. Sometimes yeah. they're pretty good. It used to be really bad. They'd misspell words and it didn't really look like, you know, anything serious, but they're getting better. That's right. That's right. There's a spectrum, right? There's the whole, you know, I'm I'm a prince and I need you to send me money <laughs> right. from that end of the spectrum all the way to, you know, they built a website that looks like a legitimate website. So you really have to be careful with those. Yeah. And especially when it has to do with anything financial related, anything, social security, credit card. Uh, I mean, it matters if they get your personal information no matter what. But uh, 
be really careful when it comes to things that have to do with your bank account or your investment accounts. That's right. So when you when you get these emails, it's important to know how to spot them. And you're not going to necessarily be 100% on all of them. Some will be very easy. Some will be a little bit harder to spot. But what you want to look for first is, you know, do you recognize the email address? Is it a recognizable domain, for instance? Does it come from, I don't know, google.com or gloggle.com, right? You want to make sure that, <laughs> that, that it looks legitimate there. Is there a purpose behind the email? Are you, were you expecting it? Is this out of the blue? And then just read through it. Look for typos. Look for uh, an emblem not looking correct to the company. Those are some of the quick tells. Yeah, and often these are coming from offshore. So they're, they're usually coming from places. I know I'm no expert. Neither is Alex here, but Eastern Europe and and sort of certain parts of Asia have a lot of these sort of bad actors that are that are trying to do this. Um, so yeah, font is another one we've talked about. We've talked about this internally because we're very careful about this as stewards of our clients' money. So if the font looks off, that's a classic, right? So you say, you know, this looks in all other ways similar, but the font sizes are weird, or or it's a different sort of font than you're used to seeing from that sender. It can be subtle. Um, so yeah. anything that looks right, just just exercise some skepticism. Exactly. You, you hear that you feel the the hairs prickle up on the back of your neck. You're you're probably should pause. And you know, if you see something that that makes you think, all right, is this legitimate or not? the best thing to do is not to respond, not, not to click the link. Don't open the attachments. Don't follow anything regarding that. And if, if it's a company that you do business with, or it appears to be at least, it's a good idea to go ahead and go to, go to the website, independent of that email, open up a separate browser, navigate mm -hmm. there manually and pick up the phone and call them or send them an, an email saying, Hey, I received this or you were asking for this information, pursue it that route, not through the email that you got originally. Yeah. And, and, and that reminds me of one other, one other type of phishing email that we'll sometimes see. If you're getting an email, there's usually a name associated with it. So if, if I send an email, say coming from Vic Colella uh, at Woodward Financial Advisors, it's possible that it says my name, but the email's in fact very different. So just checking, and I, Alex, I think you mentioned this earlier in passing, but this is one that I know trips a lot of folks up, which is, it says it came from Vic Colella, but the email says, you know, suzyj at, you know, gmail.com. Well, that's not my email address. Uh, so so though that that's one to look when, when there's a mismatch between the name um, and the, the ultimate email. And sometimes it's very sort of laughably obvious, but <laughs> yeah. if you've already clicked on it, it may be, you know, too late even if you, you realize it after the fact because you were in a rush. That's right. Just check all your details. Alex, now, what should we do if we suspect it's a phishing email? So I know where if we do business with the company, we're supposed to call and say, was this you, basically? Uh, what else can you do to maybe decrease the number of these that you're getting? Well, you want to block the sender as, as a starting point. Now, it depends on the software you're using for your email, but there's going to be a way to block that sender. So you're not getting additional emails from them, more mm -hmm. opportunities for them to trip you up, um, turn your spam filters on. Those are the the first lines of defense 
when when it comes to these these emails that are you know coming in. Well, and if it gets if all of a sudden you start getting a lot of them, it's a good idea to go change some passwords, which is a segue to our second section here, which has to do with passwords entirely. But if you ever suspect you've been compromised, do a virus scan. Uh, you know, we're not cybersecurity experts, but there are definitely some basics you can do, including change passwords for things that are particularly you know critical, bank accounts, etc. So having said that, Alex, let's let's talk about passwords for a little while. So I'll actually, I'll kick it back to you. You just talk a little bit about, you know, what we mean when we say passwords being important. Uh, of course they are, uh, but some best practices and things. That's right. Well, like you said earlier, passwords are your first line of defense when it comes to, to protecting your personal information on the website. So it's vitally important. And you don't want a password that is you know, very simple. You don't want the password to be password or Alex one, two, three, or something that is, <laughs> is just laughably easy to, to guess or for machines to replicate because they're so common and they're not complex enough. I know someone listening to this call has a password typed as password. I'm if, sure of it. If that is you, I recommend changing your password now. <laughs> <laughs> Pause the podcast and go change your password. Right, right. <laughs> so... Uh, but when it comes to passwords, you're going to want some length. You're going to want some complexity. And humans are really bad at that. We're, we're bad at creating randomness. We're bad at then remembering the randomness that we've created. And right. so we're really big uh, proponents of using what are called password managers as a way to create these passwords in a, in a more random way, but also to store them and make them accessible to you so that you're able to actually utilize these passwords. Yeah, and, and at Woodward, we we actually use a password manager. There are a lot of them out there. We use one called Dashlane. There's other, there are others that are very similar. We don't say one is the best necessarily, but LastPass is another one, one password. You just, just do a Google search on the best password managers and you'll get all sorts of information. And some are free, some you have to pay for. Uh, but one incident like this, where someone gets access to your bank or your other information, you know, it's well worth the small investment. Uh, not to mention, I find myself forgetting or having to reset my passwords far less. Uh, because generally the way that these work is you have one really crazy, secure, long, probably password that, that helps you log into your password manager. And then once you're logged in, you have access to your password. So um, some risk of putting all your eggs in one basket, but you can change that password frequently. And what we always do, and this is another recommendation that I'm sure Alex is about to go into, which is add two-factor authentication. So what is two-factor authentication? It is, so you type in your username and password, and it means there's one more step before you're able to log in. And either that step is a temporary code that gets texted to your cell phone or that there's a number that calls you and it gives you the code. Often you'll have a security key that is on your phone that is every 30 seconds or 60 seconds generating a fresh six-digit or nine-digit password. And that communicates with that institution that you're trying to log into. So uh, this, if there's some bad guy that gets your username and password, Usually, if you have two-factor authentication set up, I heard it, I was listening to a security expert talk once, 
said they usually just move on to the next person because uh, they're looking for low-hanging fruit. And if you have two-factor authentication set up on your password manager, uh, you are not low-hanging fruit, uh, which is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's a second line of defense. And one thing that you'll notice that's different about the two factors is they typically come to something that you would have on your person. So right. if my password gets swiped by, I don't know, someone across the country or in another country, well, the second line of defense is ringing on my cell phone, which is in my pocket. So it makes it much more secure and much harder for them to, to break the code and get in. Well, and Alex, I've had an instance where I started receiving authentication requests on my cell phone that I didn't initiate. Now, that person didn't get into my account, whatever that account was, but it, it tipped me off to the fact that somebody had my password. So I really quickly went and changed that password. I don't know how they got it. Don't really need to know. But I, I know that in that case, it stopped. And that was a bank account. So, uh, you know, really easy to set that up. And almost everywhere has the option. So not just on a password manager. But I, I think a best practice, something that I can say confidently and recommend is anything that has to do with your money should have two-factor authentication on it. And I would add to that, you know, credit reports, social security, anything where you have access to account numbers, credit cards, uh, just put it on there. It it is going to serve you so much better. And even if you haven't ever had any trouble with, you know, data or identity theft or anything like that, oh, one time is more than enough uh, for you to wish you'd done it in the first place. Absolutely. Well, Alex, I think it's time for potpourri or uh, we could call it cybersecurity lightning round or something exciting like that since all this is so uh, you know exciting to talk about. But what do you have? So I'll, I'll kick it to you. I know we talked about a handful of things in this section. So yeah, well, what do you have? Well, the first one I want to start with are, are the phone calls. You know, this is another way to, to fish, um, you know, and I think everybody at this point is burdened by the amount of spam calls that we receive. <laughs> and really, those are just another form of phishing. So they're they're reaching out, they're confirming if the number's correct, they're trying to figure out if uh, they can get you on the line and maybe socially engineer you to give them some information that they could use to to get into an account or to impersonate you in some way. And so you're saying you're saying I haven't won all those cruises. You know, I don't think you have. If if I turn out to be wrong here, though, Vic, uh, take me on one of those cruises. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not very right. But um, well, and and I want to just further develop. All, all joking aside, one of those things that you said, which is social engineering. So, what some of these phishing, uh, you know, attacks look like is they find out they get access to your social media, they find out that you're closing on a house or traveling or doing something, and then they'll send an urgent request saying, your flight was just canceled, call this number and give your information in order to get you know rescheduled as soon as possible, which is a much more convincing phone call than, you know, hey, uh, my name's you know, so-and-so, could I have your social security number? All of us would catch that. But when there's stress involved, or you're closing on a house, or something where you, know, you may be looking for a contact, that's where the really good ones will strike. So yeah, uh, if someone's ever asking for that kind of information on the phone, oh, just just 
make sure, I mean, I've asked folks like, I need to know you are who you say you are. How can you authenticate yourself? And I've had folks hang up on me because they weren't who they said they were and they knew that they couldn't authenticate themselves. So um, always good to just have your hackles up for those. Exactly. Yeah. Be, be on the lookout because they will have an air of legitimacy to them. Yep. And so, you know, good ways to try and filter out some of this is just if you don't recognize a number, let it go to voicemail. You know, let them leave a message if it's important. Most of these, most of the calls that I've received, at least anecdotally, have not left a voicemail. And mm-hmm. I just take that to mean it wasn't important or it was it was a spam call. Uh, and with that, make sure that you leave some space in the voicemail, uh, the voicemail box so that they can <laughs> leave a message if uh, if it is legitimate. I'm a big offender on that one. And, and Alex, I'll say if it is somebody who you do business with, but you're still unsure, the same recommendation you gave earlier, which is to pick up the phone and call, call the number on their website and say, hey, somebody called me. Was that you? It's always, always a good idea to do something like that if they're asking for something that makes you uncomfortable. Absolutely. People have done that to me. I've been on the, the outgoing calling end and I've had, you know, clients that I've worked <laughs> with in the past. Say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to call you back because, uh, you know, we're, we're a newer voice perhaps on the line. Right. So that's great. All right. Lightning round here. Um, I'm going to throw another one out, which is to be careful on public Wi-Fi. So a lot of us like to go to a coffee shop, hang out, you know, take your laptop, maybe take care of a little bit of, you know, to do's that you may have online. Be careful. Uh, I think a general recommendation is, well, first of all, maybe doing all your banking in a public place on a public Wi-Fi, uh, it's just a risk that you can't control. Someone could walk behind you, um, but really the the risk is that on a public Wi-Fi, that Wi-Fi could be compromised, which would give them access to sort of what you're doing on your computer. So be careful on that one. Um, I'm going to throw one more out, which is, Keep an eye on your transactions. So, you know, if you're not reviewing on a monthly basis or something similar, transactions on your credit card uh, or, you know, one that I always sometimes catch will be, you know, Apple subscriptions through your phone. Make sure nothing funky is on there, because if there if there's a new, you know, a new payment that you didn't initiate, that could tip you off to a security compromise that that you'll be well served to take care of. Absolutely. Yeah. Be on the lookout for that. What else, Alex? I'm going to throw this out there uh, on behalf of my my grandmother. So <laughs> I, I would warn people to to choose, be, be really intentional with choosing who you decide to share your information with. And the big offender for her has been signing up for all these rewards programs, the the mm. Belk Bucks, and uh, you know the the Target One, and all these other. Uh, rewards programs where you're giving them some information. Maybe it's just an email and a name. Maybe it's you're putting a credit card on file. I mean, the the spectrum is wide here, but that opens you up to some risk where what happens if I'm going to use Belks as an example, uh, what happens there if uh, they get hacked? Well, then all of a sudden your information is now available to the hackers and and those are big fish and big targets. Right. And we've all seen the high profile hacks of Target being, you know, one that comes to mind. So be careful there. I'm going to throw one. I'm going to eke one last one in there, which is take a look at your credit reports each year. Uh, This will it's a great opportunity to flag 
and you know things that may look odd, a credit card that you didn't take out that's in your name. Uh, and if you if you're comfortable with it, and I do this personally, is freeze your credit if you're not using it. So but you know you can freeze it, unfreeze it for 30 days when you're you know taking out a credit card or something, and that's always a good approach. Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast by your friends here at Woodward Financial Advisors. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you'd like to continue the conversation, you could find us on the web at woodwardadvisors.com and as a firm on both Facebook and LinkedIn. There's a link to those pages at the bottom of our website. You can also find us all as individuals on both Twitter and LinkedIn. Now, we love receiving listeners' suggested topics, so if you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, please hit the Let's Talk link at the top of our website and submit a message with podcasts in the subject line. Thanks again for listening and talk to you next time.